And when we speak, we are afraid our words will not be heard nor welcomed. But when we are silent, we are still afraid. So it is better to speak, remembering we were never meant to survive. Welcome to Better to Speak, the podcast where we use storytelling to transform silence into language and action. I'm your host, Casey Felton. This season, we'll be exploring socio-political issues affecting Black communities through the lens of young Black storytellers and changemakers. This is the state of the young Black advocate. Mental health in the Black community has long been discussed but actively addressed in varying ways, as we have to consider factors beyond physiology to address generational trauma and the ongoing impacts of racial injustice on individual and systemic levels. This has recently come to a head with the sharp rise in self-harm and suicide in American youth, disproportionately among black youth, which brings an even more urgent call to transform silence into language and action in support of mental health and wellness in the black community. The New York Times reported from 1991 to 2017, suicide attempts by black adolescents rose 73%, compared with an 18% rise among white adolescents. The suicide rate leaped particularly for black girls, up 6.6% per year on average from 2003 to 2017. One of Better to Speak's first events held space for me and my peers at Howard University to discuss mental health in the black community with a specific focus on masculinity and mental health. Thinking back to that conversation, it was necessary to hold space to explore not necessarily just men's mental health, but the impact of masculinity and patriarchy as social constructs on men and those around them when it comes to our collective mental health and wellness. Larger social and political factors like these play a role in our mental health more than we'd like to realize, and it can be harmful or even divisive when we boil it down to making these issues about a person's identity as a predetermining factor for certain mental illnesses, without also looking at the conditions that the person or people with that identity had to navigate and survive under. Individually, I think it also makes it hard to look at the ways we cope and learn to cope with those stressors and our mental health in general. It's not just about one person going to therapy, journaling, doing self-care Sundays, or any other personal act of self-care. It's also about recognizing how the larger systems play a role in our individual lives and giving ourselves grace and understanding that we're trying our best every day to take care of ourselves while living under these conditions. All that being said, before we get into today's interview, we're going to pause for a quick guided meditation by Megan Thee Stallion, followed by some announcements to let you know what Better to Speak will be up to this month to transform silence into action for Black mental wellness. Inhale, exhale. Inhale, exhale. Inhale, exhale. Inhale, exhale. Now let me ask you, what do you want to accomplish today? Take a minute, set your intentions, because you can achieve anything you put your mind to. You can have it all. So claim it and get after it. Real hot Now let me leave you with this mantra. I might be going through it, but I'ma get through it. I might be going through it, but I'ma get through it. I might be going through it, but I'm going to get through it. 
you for taking a couple of minutes to get your mind right with me, hotties. Now go out and have a good day. Better to Speak is excited to announce our participation in the second annual Mental Health Action Day held on Thursday, May 19th with more than 1,600 other leading organizations and leaders. Our intention as a partner organization for Mental Health Action Day 2022 will be to encourage Black youth and young adults, as well as other Black folks, to take their first steps towards mental health action with a focus on collectivism and connection. We also plan to publish our first curated digital toolkit through our community resource library as a project under the State of the Young Black Advocate Outreach Campaign. This resource will revisit the stories about mental health we've shared on our platform and amplify the work of Black-led organizations working to support our community in unique and culturally competent ways. Learn more and take action by visiting bettertospeak.org with the direct link being in the show notes. To dig deeper into how various social systems impact Black mental wellness and how Black youth and young adults can learn more to not just better understand our mental health on a personal level, but a collective one, I spoke to Jada Wesson, who is addressing those concepts through her Instagram page, at Black Psych. She's explored topics like setting boundaries in relationships, disordered eating, anxiety, and most recently, hustle culture. This is Jada's story. I guess my story starts back to when I was about eight or nine. Um, we, we moved out of our first childhood home, and we moved to the next town over, so I ended up going to a completely different elementary school um, with completely different kids and I didn't know anybody so I still I had that new kid feeling Um, some people thought that I was weird I didn't really blend in as much as I would have liked the issue was that it kind of stuck with me um, all through elementary and middle school and high school it didn't go away so uh, I definitely knew that something was out of the ordinary as far as um, how I felt about socializing and like having difficulty making friends and stuff. My parents just told me that I was shy and I tried to tell them that, uh, no, it's something different. (laughs) Um, So it wasn't until I was about 16 or 17 in high school where I took a psychology class. um, And I think one of our units, we covered anxiety and anxiety disorders and we talked about social anxiety and then I realized I had social anxiety um so I was kind of aware from a young age that uh something was going on with me and then I it was confirmed when I was 16 and I took that class uh and then I think maybe a few months later maybe the the year after that when I was still in high school we had a group project And it was basically um, each group was given a social dilemma to solve. And uh, the the topic that we got was teen suicide. And I I had already, you know, taken the psychology class and realized I I really like like psychology and mental health in general. So we came up with the idea of making an app that was like it had all your emergency contacts and everything and if you were in a crisis mode so that didn't take off (laughs) um it kind of it kind of helped solidify like what I wanted to do as far as my career choice and going to school um up until that point I wasn't sure what I wanted to go to college for so that helped me to choose psychology as my major um and that's kind of where it started I think that as I got deeper and deeper in psychology, 
um, and I started to notice things about like my friends and about my family and like about myself, um, I really noticed a serious need <laughs> for some sort of mental health support, especially in the black community. Um, I thought it was important, not that there isn't already support and resources, but I just wanted to do something that was new and different. What inspired you to end up starting the Black Psych platform? I wanted to start it in college. I was in college and I really wanted to do something. And I figured if I started young enough <laughs> that um, I can get some experience behind what I want to do and, and like figure it out. So the app and like um, when I was in high school, we were connected to this uh, organization, this nonprofit organization that helps young people innovate and like create their ideas and like have it actually come into fruition. Uh, even though mine didn't come into fruition, it kind of like gave me an idea of what I wanted to do and what I wanted to do differently. So I decided I didn't want to do an app. Um, so then I had moved on to uh, deciding to create a blog website. Um, and then I noticed that uh, on Instagram, if I curate my lit, my uh, algorithm and everything, I can actually uh, follow all these mental health pages. And I was really interested in what they were doing and that kind of thing. It was just that I noticed that um, not a lot of people that were my age or like in my friend group were following these same pages that I was following. Um, so I decided to create my own um, from the perspective of a young person that hasn't really been in the clinical setting or you know in the academia of it all so uh, I definitely wanted to connect more to daily experiences um, and I think that's really what it was I just always knew I wanted to do something <laughs> and then in terms of like the type of content that you started creating from there maybe from your account or from like other pages that you've seen I'm like you're mentioning like while you know creating your own your own algorithm so what kind of content was like personally helpful for you um in terms of like yeah what was helpful for you and then what you wanted to create for other people the very popular mental health pages that I follow there's a great focus on validation which I think is really important so you see a lot of affirmations you see a lot of um you know, defining certain experiences by having a term for it, like the Sunday scaries and, you know, that kind of thing. There's there's a lot of focus on validation. And that's what I wanted to incorporate because there's other mental health pages where there's a great focus on simply spreading the word on, like, what mental illnesses are and the definitions and the symptoms and everything like that. Uh, the thing that ends up getting missed is connecting the two <laughs> um, and also connecting it um, to the daily experiences of marginalized communities, whereas someone might not necessarily connect to the WebMD definition of depression, but then um, if you listen to their story and they talk to you about what trauma they've been through, uh, how they've been feeling lately they can really connect to pain and like they they know how to describe that experience they just there's no connection to the actual uh definition of it 
So in terms of, I guess, kind of following on that, in terms of the mm-hmm. process of creating the content, mm-hmm. um, so like how do you kind of sit down and figure out what topics and like, you know, research and all of that? What is your, your process there? Yeah, so the first step <laughs> is usually it comes from me, um, something that I've been observing about myself or something that I'm trying to get through. So when I first started, I was kind of trying to curate to an audience, um, but I was missing the audience that I wanted. I was actually attracting a lot of uh, older people or people who are already therapists or people who are already kind of in that setting. And what I wanted was to find people who were like me, where it was like, there isn't really this transcendence of um, I was hurt and now I'm just completely healed and like, let me help you. It's more like we're all hurting and I just want to create a community where we can talk about that and just, um, it's not so stuffy and clinical, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it definitely comes from daily experiences and just self-reflection. A lot of my topics, uh, the the suggestions that I give, because I do end up doing a, a poll usually, um, the suggestions that I give usually are coming from multiple things that I'm experiencing at the same time, or just things that I may have saw uh, trending that have been, that made me start to think about my own experiences with that certain topic. So uh, that's usually where it starts. As far as research goes, um, I think I try to dabble in a lot of different things. So I'd like to talk to my family. I like to talk to my friends about a certain topic and their experience. I like to uh, take some alone time and kind of like reflect on my own experience in that topic. And then uh, then I'll go on to like articles and uh, books and podcasts. And uh, sometimes I'll even read through uh, research studies to kind of get an understanding of like how exactly it works (laughs) because there's usually different there's so many angles that you can come at these experiences with and I just try to center a perspective where it's like maybe you're not really knowing what's going on because that's usually how I feel I feel like I don't really know what's happening to me Mm -hmm. um and so I try to do it that way to attract people who wouldn't have otherwise looked for it it's kind of like a a nice thing that you stumble upon and then you're validated and then it's like I I relate to that and like I've lived through that kind of thing I know I mentioned this too when we spoke last but one thing that I personally really love about your page is like the design of the content Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that that is definitely an important aspect when we talk about like cultural competency like it's not you know this like you said like the stuffy clinical kind of infographic that you see like the graphic design and the images that you use are all very like things that you know young people young black people would um be attracted to so can you talk about like I guess maybe your process of or how you approach the design of the content to make it you know palatable on that level yeah absolutely and I will say like when I first started um it was not like that (laughs) um I was, you know, when you start something, they're always kind of like, you should mimic the people who are in your niche. And I tried to do that. Um, And then like, I would, it wasn't, it wasn't just that my engagement was low. It was also just that uh, I, at the end of the day, I would look at my page and be like, this isn't really what I was envisioning, you know? And so um, I'm already a very visual person and I do like to draw and paint and stuff. So I'm already kind of, um, 
I'm really attracted to aesthetic and like visuals of anything really. So when it comes to like movies and TV and you know that kind of thing, I think that uh, the visual aspect is really important. And something doesn't even have to necessarily be um, accurate or like you know if we see like mental health in film and media and it's kind of in the extremes it's really because it it's able to pull on your your emotions enough to make it relevant to you so um I definitely think that the visual aspect is extremely important for me and what it was was that I kind of decided to throw caution to the wind last year and just start uh, making things that looked cool to me so I started to, I downloaded um, Adobe Creative Suite and I started tinkering around with uh, Illustrator and Photoshop and I realized like, oh, I can make this and this looks cool and that kind of thing. So it it definitely became a, more of an artistic outlet for me. <laughs> um, as far as the process of designing, I, I don't really have one. <laughs> it's kind of just... Um, I see how I feel about the content. I usually write out the content first and then I kind of try to see how I can make an image that kind of look re- looks relevant. Like recently I I started adding images into the into the post. Um and before that I really liked how you can warp text and you know make it look funky and and like different than just the regular like typed out thing and I think that uh the reason I do that is not only for myself for an artistic outlet but also because if I'm trying to attract people who aren't necessarily on their mental health journeys yet or people who aren't really in that space um I think it's really important that I try to attract them (laughs) with content that looks kind of similar to what they would normally follow that doesn't have mental health content in it um and I think that's where things started to change for me and I started to see more people like come and you know party with me and stuff and just uh really like I get a lot of good feedback on my content and I really appreciate it and it's nice and it makes me want to keep trying to find different ways to make my content stand out in that in that creative way yeah for sure I love that and then um, on that same note, how has your connection with your followers kind of grown since um, either since starting the account or since you, you know, like you said, kind of readjusted how you approach the content? Once I readjusted how I approached my content, I think that uh, it became a lot more of a personal community. I have my followers reach out to me a lot more. I get a lot more um, like comments in my DMs about like, how they liked the content, how it made them feel seen and that kind of thing. And it really like, it's really humbling because it's still, it's still like a, a small amount of people. If, if you're talking about, you know, being in a digital space, but the idea that there's like a lot of people, like I have more than a thousand followers now, it's just crazy to feel like there's a lot of people who are even like seeing something that I'm creating. Um, but definitely, I feel like it's become a way more personal, especially as I start to include them in like the 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 process of picking a topic, I think is has been really helpful um, trying to make sure that I'm curating. I'm still curating the content 
toward my audience and still remaining authentic to like what I'm experiencing as well so um I think it's been really helpful I really like uh doing the polls because I'll still get dms and being they'll be like no you should do this topic or you know and it's like well the popular vote says this <laughs> but um I'm gonna write it down and I'm gonna make sure that I get it done so it's definitely been really fun for me And then in terms of the topics that you kind of touch on, I would imagine there's like, you know, just the everyday kind of struggles of life or like mental health things that people may deal with on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, of course, like since we've been in the pandemic and like, of course, for young black folks, like who are navigating a lot of the racial injustice that we've seen, like really forever, but especially in the past um, year or two, can you talk about like how maybe those events have influenced the topics that you touch on or... um, what I guess if you have addressed those topics like how do you kind of curate them for like young black folks or young people who are visiting your page yeah so I think once I started readjusting um my content it wasn't just visually I also started to try to position the content in a way that Uh, really spoke to the Black perspective and really spoke to young Black people uh, specifically Um, because there's definitely this feeling of just constant trauma every day. (laughs) Um, And I think the thing that I'm trying to really do is really push for self-awareness I think that uh, when I talk to people my age and, you know, in my demographic, there's kind of this, uh, and I'm guilty of this too, it's kind of just like it it is what it is situation all the time, every day, Uh, whether it's like when you're watching the news, whether it's like you're, you're specifically being targeted for something, it's, we've kind of grown desensitized to it, but um, we're still carrying the trauma with us every day you know so I think that I've been really trying to position the content to push for self-awareness in a way that um, makes us realize like all of these things that are happening around us is really affecting us and how we think it's not just like I have to move different because I'm black and like I have to be careful of this it's like your whole approach to life is really being influenced by the society that's around you and like the environment that you're growing up and it's affected your parents and your parents' parents and it's affected the way you've been brought up and um, the trauma that you experienced as a child as well. So, I and that's something that I'm still um, getting to know and I'm still really fascinated with is just how complex like the mental health for, for marginalized communities really is. Um, because it's not it's not as simple as just saying like uh you might have like depression and it might just because be because you're under a lot of stress or because you lost this job or you weren't accepted into this school or you know it's so much deeper than that (laughs) and it just all starts to kind of add up um and so that's really what my goal is especially as I move into this series that I'm currently doing on you know capitalism and stuff I was really interested on the struggles of (laughs) trying to be become something and like having money attached to that and wanting to make it and wanting to 
um, just like be an entrepreneur or like I I want to be able to do my own thing and like the freedom and stuff and realizing how how like layered all of these issues are for me and how um connected like workers liberation is to the way you know I'm treated at work or how how uh how how difficult it is to find work or uh, the minimum wage situation that's happening or inflation that's happening and like how that's affecting me as a black person trying to move in a in a society where social mobility is taught or like uh you know taught to us as something that's super flexible and you know if you just put your mind to it then you can be the next LeBron James you could be the next Beyonce if you really tried hard but also not talking about how uh difficult and like the obstacles that are really systemically the obstacles that are in our way um but you know when we look at media and entertainment it's kind of being taught to us that if we just work hard enough then we'll get it but uh it goes much deeper than that Uh, sorry that was a tangent but (laughs) um that's really what I want to do is just I want us to be really aware of how we're being affected and how it's really changing the way we think and a part of your mental health journey is really confronting all of that it's not just about self-care and it's not just about a mental health diagnosis and whether or not you have depression or whether or not you have anxiety those that that's important to uh get rid of those the stereotypes behind that but it's also much deeper than just the diagnosis and symptoms um and I really want us to understand that (laughs) as you were talking I remember the the post that you did about hustle culture and I think Mm -hmm. uh, that and also what you were just talking about definitely resonated with me in terms of like how layered this idea of like you know being at the age that we are and trying to navigate our personal lives and then like you said kind of navigating all of these systemic structures um mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to lean into that a little bit more as far as like your thoughts or what have you kind of learned in, as you're working on this series um and, and researching that content um or any like general thoughts or like advice that you have for people that are you know navigating that as well yeah so <laughs> again this this stems from my own personal experience with um this this topic really comes from me being frustrated, right? So I think that I I was really trying with this series. I'm really trying to validate those frustrations because it is hard, and people are trying to tell you that it's not, and that you're just not working hard enough, or that you're lazy. And those are things that I've been told my whole life, you know, from parents, from uncles and aunts, from teachers, you know, and there's like these authority figures in our lives who aren't really acknowledging that or validating that. Um, <clears throat> so as far as, you know, into this series, I'm realizing like um, with the hustle culture specifically, <laughs> it was something very personal because I have family members who are very into that, who are very just like, you need to work hard and like, you're not working hard enough if you're not seeing results and, you know, maybe you need to start waking up early and, you know, maybe you need to stop, stop hanging out with your friends so much. (laughs) And so, um, with this, I've been doing a lot of reading. I've been doing a lot of, uh, research and articles and listening to podcasts about how we're, we're taught this ideal and like 
especially for America specifically, uh, this is this is quite the the issue. Uh, it's not as rampant in other countries, but in this country specifically, um, the American dream is like so ingrained into us that uh, we're starting to blur the lines between work and home. We have home offices. We do things that we would normally do at home at work. And um, there's this, I've been reading this book on uh, this, this book, it's called Laziness Does Not Exist. <laughs> and it's by Devon Prince. And they talk about how we're told that we're lazy and that, you know, we need to work harder. And a lot of this, the American dream is fed to people who are in uh, the lower class or people who are in poverty and people who are employees. And they're fed to us by our employers, by our authority figures, um, large corporations and all that kind of thing. And it's uh, propaganda. <laughs> um, they want you to think that hard work equals success because if you work hard, that means you're working hard for them. <laughs> and, and bringing in profit. And the issue with that, um, I talked about this in the hustle culture post specifically, was that hard work does not equal success. And that uh, I didn't I didn't get really into specifics on it. But um, we're told that hard work equals success. We're shown all of these motivational speakers. We're shown these tech billionaires who's, who dropped out of school and <laughs> started up multi-billion dollar companies and things like that. Um, but we don't talk about the resources that they had. We don't talk about uh, how easy, because these are usually white men, white cis, cis men. So uh, we don't talk about how easy it would it would be for them to navigate in these in these environments. Um, there's so many privileges and things that we don't talk about when we're talking about the American dream. <laughs> there, a lot of these people who have, in our eyes, made it aren't necessarily self-made um but there's they're saying they are and um they don't touch on the privileges that they had and then if they do touch on the privileges they kind of try to negate that by saying well i was waking up at four in the morning every day um and i only got like four hours of sleep and i would work from dawn to dusk i had a nine to five job i was doing this on the side and like for most people especially people with like kids, especially people with a uh, high, high debt from, from being in school, like that's just not reasonable or possible. <laughs> and, and, um, they make it seem like it is. And it's, it's not really, uh, and I, during this series, I'm just having so much frustration with, with capitalism <laughs> in general and uh, doing a lot of research. Um, I can't really, touch too much on the economics portion of it just because I'm still reading up on it and I don't want to give any false information or you know um but it's very fascinating how a lot of this propaganda is like fed to uh black people and other marginalized uh, populations and I wanted to touch on how hustle culture is specifically being fed to black people and how we're kind of like regurgitating these messages to each other to justify why we're in the position that we're in. And that's what uh, 
that's what the American dream does. It kind of like shames you for being in a position that you necess- you don't necessarily have control over, right? Um, and there's just, there's so many obstacles that we don't have control over. And like, there's there's so many things that just feeds into this idea that I should be doing more and that I shouldn't be, I don't deserve to rest, and, like, I can put off all this stuff, like, I can, I don't need to hang out with my friends, I'm just gonna keep my head down, and I don't need to be hanging out with my family like that, I'm gonna just keep my head down, and it's just, it's, all of that is detrimental to your health, and they don't want to say that, because they want you to work hard, um, so for this series, it's been very validating, um, because, especially during the pandemic, (laughs) where people were just like if you didn't do anything during the pandemic then you're you really are lazy and like that was just super it was a super weird time um but it's super it's been really validating and it's something that I really want to share with uh with others who are in the same predicament as me where it's like I've already graduated college and I I did the steps (laughs) right um but I'm still struggling and it's not making sense. The math isn't adding up anymore. (laughs) So um, there's a lot of frustration, especially with uh, like people who are specifically in my situation who studied psychology and like nobody really explained that you need to either go into social work in school if you want to touch on mental health or maybe human development. But psychology is really open-ended and there's not enough information for you to be uh have a special be specialized in any kind of way so you have to go get a master's degree that wasn't really explained (laughs) during orientation so I just wanted to touch on you know validating that people aren't actually lazy a lot of us are really stressed out we have uh we're rightfully anxious and rightfully depressed because of the position that we are put in in society in general and then we have all this trauma that is being inflicted onto us every day um i also wanted to touch on like trying to move away from hustle culture mentality which is really hard um because if you're in a position where you're not really able to get to that baseline of just being comfortable and like I have this place to live and like I have I'm able to afford some nice things and you know pay for my bills and everything like that it feels like everybody's kind of like below this baseline and is struggling to even get to the baseline um and it's just really hard I think that we're fed a lot of like wealth porn and like uh just there's so much grandeur in social media where uh, it feels like if you're below this baseline and you should you should not be reaching to just be comfortable, but you should, you should be reaching to be wealthy. And like accumulating wealth is like a totally different ball game if you're uh, just struggling to get by. And a lot of us are. <laughs> um, so I really wanted to start breaking away from that mentality where it's like, I really want to feel like my anxiety and depression isn't just being fueled by uh capitalism because that's what it feels like every time I think that uh, I feel anxious it's because like I I don't feel like I have enough money in my bank account or um 
you know, I, how am I going to pay this bill? I got to like make some stuff work. I have to move some things around. That's a financial anxiety and, and financial trauma where we might not spend the money that we do have because we're, we're so worried about, uh, the worst of the worst happening. Um, and then also, you know, trying to move away from this idea that everything that I do should have, should be connected to how it can make me profitable, <laughs> you know? And I think that also has to do with just uh, being in the, being, um, trying to find a job is where we, like, how many words can you type a minute? Like, are you able to run these programs? Are you good at Excel? And like, you, you're at home trying to build these skills to make your more, yourself more profitable and market yourself to people. And I kind of just, it makes me feel gross <laughs> when I think about it like that. Um, but also going into like our hobbies, our passions, these things don't necessarily have to be connected to uh, money um, and trying to, you know, move away from that. Like, when I want to start a new hobby, it's, it's like I automatically will think, well, if I get good enough, I could sell it or like I can, you know, sell this service or sell this product or, you know, I can make it a, a thing that makes me money while I sleep or something. Um, and there's just so many thoughts that are just connected to money and I want to move away from that. Yeah, for sure. That touched on like a lot of different things that I've just been thinking about kind of personally. I think... Um what you talked about as far as this idea of like capitalism and like this idea of wealth specifically like black capitalism that is positioned to us and I think like mm -hmm. like as you were talking like you mentioned Beyonce I think about Beyonce and Jay-Z and I think about how this idea of like black billionaires and even though they're like relatively are a few of them in context I think like they are positioned as like that is the level of you know success or like you said like the level of wealth that we should be working towards and I think um like, I think for me, as I've seen, like, I remember when Jay-Z hit a billion dollars and, like, the discourse that was happening on social media because of that, um, mm -hmm. I think sometimes there's this, like, feeling of, like, how are you going to tell, you know, Black people, Black men, you know, Black women that we can't reach that level of success and money, but at the same time, like, I think as I watch some of the discourse happen, I see people who still kind of subscribe to this idea of wanting to um, attain that level of wealth or power like people don't realize like how much a billion dollars actually is and like how much um, or like what is actually involved in anyone getting to a billion dollars and like you know like you said about like workers liberation and just exploitation and things like that that is kind of like the system that is required for that to even be possible um, yeah I don't know it's just like I guess to just name that but I think it's just like you mentioned interesting how those things kind of all connect back to money and I think um, particularly like when it comes to how mental health is kind of talked about in the black community. I think that's such a generational thing where like, you, like you think back to slavery, you think about like how our bodies and minds are like commodified for profit, you know, for these systems. And then we don't think about the toll that that has taken on us over, you know, generations. Um, and now it's like, okay, well, obviously we're generations removed from slavery, but at the same time, like when you talk about, you know, it's not just like, how am I trying to say this? I think it's not like a thing that's necessarily f like directly for us, but in a way where, okay, obviously in order to be successful, in order to survive, like that's the kind of same mentality that I have to have in terms of not um, viewing myself as human, but it's like a machine to just kind of work and make money and, and profit. So it's just, I think right. it's just interesting how like 
we ignore that in in ourselves and as you were talking about like you know hobbies and our relationships and things like that the things that really allow us to just be and be human like we don't think about those things we think about money and profit and like how we don't talk about like how that impacts our mental health in terms of um not just like you know a specific diagnosis like you said but then also like these more social kind of contract like constructs that impact our mental health as well right um I think that <laughs> I, for me personally, I, for the discourses as far as uh, reaching that kind of excessive wealth, I think that uh, part of part of why a lot of us want that is not only because it's like positioned right in front of us, right, um, and then it's kind of just like, well, if they can do it, I can do it too. It's also just. Um, I feel like a lot of us have a warped idea of what success is. And I've read this a few times. I read about it a few times where, um, you know, we kind of inflict unhappiness and shame and guilt on our, onto ourselves simply because uh, our idea of success is like almost maybe unattainable or it doesn't really align with what we really want and that kind of thing. So I think for uh, excessive wealth, uh, we we think that we want it. <laughs> uh, and like you said, we don't really realize how much exploitation, because it does take exploitation for that to happen anyway. Um, and that's what capitalism is. That's what pushes it forward, is the exploitation of workers and employees. Um, but I feel like uh, a lot of us are really wanting to be at a baseline because that's how I feel. It's like I'm struggling right now. I feel like if I just had a, a nice place to live, I had a car to get around, um, I was able to afford things that I want, but like not to the point where I just had money in excess, Is I would be fine. <laughs> I would be fine. Um, and I think that's kind of what it is. There's just this, there's this imbalance of like where the baseline is because we have on one side people struggling and on the other side people who kind of are living this or seemingly to live this uh, luxurious lifestyle that is only attainable through multiple income and um, multiple sources of income and like uh, stocks and cryptocurrency and and all kinds of different things. So it feels like we need all that stuff in order to, to get to a baseline even. Um, so I feel like it's, it's very, it's very, there's so many layers to it. Absolutely. And um, I think it's also just because social media makes it harder to, uh, there's like you see a, a lot of these like luxurious lifestyles especially like with uh black girls right now where it's kind of like there's this trend that's going strong with a uh, black luxury lifestyle and black girl luxury and stuff and i'm here for it like i love it but <laughs> at the same time um when we talk about luxury we have to be talking about like what does that actually mean <laughs> because these people who like influencers and stuff uh at least like the the mid-level influencers uh they're not billionaires right they're not billionaires they might have a couple sources of income depending on 
you know, what exactly they do as far as like brand deals. Uh, we don't know whether or not they invest in stocks. We don't know all these things. Um, but there's just like a constant, a constant montage of like luxury and wealth and like, this is, this is how I live. And it's so comfortable. And even though it's excessive, like I love it. (laughs) Uh, Whereas there's people who are kind of just like, I want that. And they might spend their money like they can, as if they can like that. Um, But there's also just this overwhelming anxiety and depression about like, I'm not actually there though. And like, I, but I want to be there and I just don't know how. Um, And if if I do kind of have some sort of idea, whatever idea it is, is that I have to like run myself into the ground to get it. And I think that there's no balance between um, what is hard work and, and what is success and what is just being able to like live. And I feel like black people specifically are really, being deprived of that experience and then we're kind of depriving each other of that experience because there's I can't count (laughs) how many times I get on social media and there's somebody telling me that I'm broke or there's somebody telling me that I'm not working hard enough um even like the motivational speakers too like uh you're you're not working hard if you really want it as like uh Eric Thomas says if you want it you have to want it as as bad as you want to breathe and it's like there's no balance. <laughs> um, I really want um, people to be able to feel like they can still live life and it's not having to always be connected to money. I I was very specific in like my reflections in the my most recent post where it was like, uh, I don't center or labor isn't the center of my identity. And the reason... Uh, that I said that was because I understand that labor is a tool. Um, I think that when we see people try to have these conversations where they're like, I don't believe in work or I don't dream of labor. I don't dream of working. I don't have a dream job. Um, There's always this immediate backlash of like, you just don't want to work hard enough. These younger generations just don't want to work. And it's like, it's not that, but work is taking over my life you know, when do I have time to just, like, live and, like, be able to enjoy myself? I can't even kind of, like, take a nap without it being, like, there this guilt after I wake up and, like, I could have spent that whole hour doing something productive or I could have, like, cleaned instead of did that or, you know, when my body literally told me that I'm tired. <laughs> um, so it's it's tough and I think that it really is starting to let up with younger generations as we start to kind of pivot the way we think about these things and our approach to these things. I don't feel like there's just this trend of uh, people not wanting to work and because they're lazy, but um, we're if we're talking about, like in my experience, talking to my parents and talking to my aunts and uncles, they're all miserable. Like <laughs> they all hate their job. They hate their job. They hate that they have to go to work to pay bills. Um, And all of that is reasonable. Like, that's understandable. Um, But then they kind of turn around and, like, regurgitate the stuff that they've internalized onto their kids uh, and project that onto their kids. 
and just like you need to work hard and you know maybe you should pick up a second job or you know like you got to figure it out and that kind of thing and it's detrimental like it's not very supportive of our mental health and it's kind of just repeating the cycle of whatever they've experienced there's not really a change there's just like this is what I've learned from my experience you should do similar to what I did or maybe like a step over that for a lot of kids it's like you should go to college and then there's no steps after like they don't have steps after that it's kind of just like I just know either you work or you pick go to trade school or you go to college and then after that you get a job and then nobody kind of explained like just because now just because you have a degree it does not mean that you get a nice job (laughs) um there's jobs that are paying minimum wage and are requiring a degree which is so backwards but um yeah it's just a lot of projection and like regurgitating the same message that's being fed to us by society all while just trying to survive um and so my main goal with that reflection was to just try to validate and also pose some understanding of there's a reason why people don't want to work. <laughs> um, it's still a tool and it's still necessary in order to, you know, survive in this society, right? But it's taken, it's become a, more than a tool for some people. It's become a lifestyle and it's a detrimental lifestyle. Like it does not, it doesn't serve you um long term and it, it it takes years off your life and a lot of our stress comes from work <laughs> a lot of our stress comes from work and but we still have to go to work and uh i read too that uh work related illness like getting sick and all that kind of stuff is a very expensive uh bill (laughs) a very expensive bill for uh, large corporations where employees are calling out sick because they don't want to go to work or because they're actually sick from all the stress from work um so i just want people to become self-aware of like the way they're internalizing hustle culture and like projecting it onto others and like shaming people when we really, we all should just be validating each other and, and kind of uh, starting to stand up for uh, workers' liberation and being like, if we want it to be less of a lifestyle, if we want there to be more balance, then some sort of social justice has to take place in this respect too. And by doing that, we're actually supporting our mental health. And that also just goes back to like how layered and nuanced like all of these things are for Uh, black people specifically like I have to fight for workers rights in order to support my mental health because otherwise I'm I'm more I'm more likely to be exploited and therefore my mental health will suffer y'all that's great I think um yeah like I was saying earlier a lot of that touches on what I've been thinking about personally and just like how just how layered and like connected all of these different issues are And then I think from that, because like we both have said, it's like obviously a very layered and like complex issue in terms of like, where do people start to kind of begin to like unpack or reframe how they think about their mental health or how they think about, you know, their lives and things like that. Because I think um, you mentioned like self-awareness and validation. Are there any other like things you think are are helpful or things that have been helpful for you? Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. 
definitely self-awareness and validation um it's I think the other thing (laughs) is confrontation um there's definitely you need to confront a lot of things about yourself and about um the the people around you the environment that you're in and society as a whole uh so when we talk about uh unpacking like a lot of that for me right now is like offering up criticisms about the environment that I'm in and like society as as a whole because uh it's necessary for black people and other marginalized communities to confront the society that is so like hellbent on on keeping us down and um unpacking all that trauma and stuff and like all of the layers it requires you to really confront like the society that you live in and how they're affecting you how uh these policies are affecting you how the this type of discrimination is affecting you I think um I think last year maybe or maybe the year before that I started to see more uh more posts on like racial trauma at work and uh i forgot what the word is for it but basically uh being at work and and being black and like you're still going through trauma it's just a lot more subtle but it's still happening to you (laughs) um and that goes for like people commenting on your hair um people saying just maybe like backwards compliments and like you know, you're pretty for a black girl type of type of stuff. Um, or like maybe you're the one that's kind of seen as the the harder worker in the room, um, maybe at your own merit, but maybe just because you've uh, they, you've been positioned that way. Right. So um, it definitely takes confrontation. Uh, there has to be a willingness to confront yourself and confront the the things that are happening around you. It's not just about self-awareness. Self-awareness is just being aware and kind of trying to break away from it mentally um, and kind of try to not isolate, but uh, keeping those things in mind when you're responding to certain uh, circumstances, when you're trying to get the right perception on a certain situation uh there's so many angles that you have to look at right in order to get a full understanding of how the situation is affecting you and then confrontation is just the action uh, after self-awareness yeah because as you were talking just then I was thinking about like I think as mental health and different like psychologists or therapists have used social media like for the benefit of you know creating more content making like those concepts about mental health more um accessible I think there's also this level of like okay people have all the language to kind of describe you know what may be going on with them but then what you were saying about the the next step being confrontation and actual like action Mm -hmm. um it's really important because I think like we just kind of are inundated with a lot of that content but then if we're not intentional about like okay, what does that mean for the next step? I think, um, yeah, I think that's like that that connecting point in terms of not just kind of like absorbing yeah. and passively engaging, but like actually trying to like do that work for your actual mental health. Right, right. Um, and that is 
yeah, <laughs> I think that that was kind of what I saw as I was starting my mental health page is that it it seems like there's a the conversation is happening in terms of like spreading the word on what depression looks like or what anxiety looks like or you know how to know if you're in an abusive relationship and that kind of thing I think that for the most part it seems like we have absorbed that information and it's kind of like it's there um the issue really is being able to connect that to uh connect that to our own experiences or like what we see in our environment because information is only relative to what you're experiencing so if you can't apply that information it's just information that you're holding Um, and that's what I was saying also about uh, people who kind of know what depression is and like know all the symptoms but it looks uniquely different for every person right and especially depending on uh, what your situation is so um it looks different and we might not uh we might we might not connect that to depression we might not see like I'm going through this really dark time and I'm really sad and like uh things are just weird right but (laughs) and not not connecting that to depression Uh, not because we don't know what depression is or we don't know the symptoms but because it doesn't seem as closely relevant to what we're experiencing and so that's kind of the gap that I've been trying to start filling or you know start the conversation of I think that when I talk to other people who are my age there is a very good understanding of what pain is of what trauma is of what uh sadness and and abandonment and all that kind of stuff is um it's kind of just that there's we're able to talk about it we just don't know what to do with it (laughs) um and then that kind of goes into the other things that I've been questioning is like uh, I've been seeing some some trends around like whether or not we should really be focusing on I think the word is pathologic uh, the the pathology of of uh, our mental health like do we really need to define it as depression or do we really just need to focus on what it is we can do to support that um, obviously you know defining depression having the symptoms. Um, being able to go on WebMD and and look that kind of stuff up is extremely important. Um, I think that it's important to be able to uh, have a term for what you're experiencing um, just so that it's not so confusing. But (laughs) I think that because these experiences are often so uniquely different, um, it's really hard to connect that information to our experiences and then from there actually know what to do about it. Right. Especially because some people don't want to they don't like the idea of taking medication um, or they don't like the idea necessarily of going to uh, therapy. Right. Um, but we're 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 able to, like, sit up with our friends and, and like talk about our life or we're able to we could talk for hours, really, if if someone lets us just venting. Uh, and that's really what therapy is. is there, there's a venting portion, and then there's a portion where the person kind of reflects back to you what you've said um, and wants you to unpack it and look further. And that's kind of what's missing in these conversations in our community. Uh, 
I probably wouldn't have so much interest in going to a therapist if I was able to seek out that same understanding and validation from my friends in the, in the same type of way, right? Uh, but because uh, we're not really able to connect these experiences as much to uh, these terms and we're not really able to uh, understand them as much for ourselves, it's a lot harder to kind of give advice or give validation or um, anything like that compared to a professional in that field. Uh, so as far as having that conversation, I think that's what's uh, missing is that the people who are who are professional and specialized in these fields are kind of missing those daily experiences, given that they're uh, trying to attract a larger audience versus if they were just doing this one on one with that with that one person and they're able to like gauge the daily experiences is a lot harder when you're just trying to uh, reach a general population or like a general uh, group of people. Um, and that's kind of just the goal. I think it's easier when you're I don't want to say younger, but like when you're kind of just like in it, really, and you're, you're not so far removed from these experiences. So it's a lot easier to um, talk about them and like in a way that's uh, that makes another person relate and be like, I was going through that, too. Um, so there's definitely those gaps in, in connection and, and relativity where uh, the mental health conversation is happening, but is it happening in the right way? Is it happening in, in a way that um, is good for like the overall population and not just people who know that they have a mental illness or who know that um, they're like, who, who are aware that they're going through something? Um, it, how are we reaching people who haven't even started their mental health journey or who who haven't even realized like the importance of unpacking all this stuff for themselves you know yeah and as you were talking I was thinking a lot about like in the black community in particular I think um, when it comes to talking about mental health or even the idea of therapy I think there's this like kind of automatic like barrier that goes up because it's like why would I pay for some random person to like talk to some random person about my problems? Yeah, I have friends for that. Oh, I have you know a romantic partner for that. I have all these other people in your personal life. But then like you were saying, it's like are these people equipped with not just to be on the receiving end of somebody venting, but to kind of you know like you said reflect you know back what they heard or to give you know the tools of you know emotional regulation or how to actually you know take care of yourself and I think like that like you said it's kind of like that missing piece in terms of like I think both are important like therapy and just being able to like support each other like in community a little bit better mm -hmm. um do you have any like thoughts about that or how we can kind of you know after absolutely after ourselves like you know what is that next step to be better for like other people um therapy is very very important uh, so I hope I didn't try to like make it seem like it wasn't um but I think that what is missing as far as on that side where uh we're venting just we're trying to vent to somebody that we know and that we're familiar with and like that's where that comfort comes from and so it's scary to try to uh do that with someone who you don't know and who's more like there's less familiarity and there might be more of a like a kind of like a social barrier right so uh, it's harder to kind of get into that space of like pouring out your heart 
to somebody that you don't know. Uh, for some people, and then for other people, it might be even easier just because, like, I don't know that person. <laughs> so I can tell them everything. Like, they they can't go tell nobody or, you know, they're not going to – they're paid to not judge me. So um, there's definitely uh, the benefits of that. I think as far as being in community with each other and supporting each other, it's kind of like we all have to do the inner work. <laughs> you can't just uh, be the receiving end. Um, and they try to give advice because it usually comes off pretty superficial or sometimes we just don't know what to say or maybe sometimes we even say the wrong thing. Um, and this is not just with friends. This is with family. This is with parents, too. Uh, I tried. I, I when I first started going to therapy, I told my mom and she she fought me tooth and nail over the idea of me going to therapy. Um, and I think it has a lot to do, especially for parents, I think it has a lot to do with uh, having to realize that we don't really have as much control as we think that we do or as, as much as we would like to, right? Going to therapy kind of symbolizes this idea to us that my life is like out of control or like I just don't have a handle on it. I can't handle it, you know? And um, it's admitting that. <laughs> so, and then there's like, you know, pride gets in the, in the, in the way of that because it's like, no, I can do this on my own. And that's where the toxic individualism comes in too, where it's like, we've been taught, like, we should be able to take care of ourselves. We should be able to handle these things. Um, you know, we should be able to handle the world and stuff. But sometimes we can't, or like we are, but it is affecting our relationship it's it's affecting our work performance it's affecting how we approach life um so so now we need support and help and we're not able to necessarily get that the right kind of validation or uh support or tools from the people that we're in community with because they are also in the same position so uh i think that as far as being in community if you decide to be in community with people and you decide like I'm gonna be um I'm gonna be one of the strong points in in your life and like you're the one of the strong points in my life uh it takes a lot of um unpacking and reflection and uh, on yourself before you do that with somebody else I think that with me and my friends um <clears throat> the reason why it's so easy to like talk about things and validate each other and like also be able to point out like no that was kind of wrong or you know is because uh there's so much introspection like there's so much reflection and just like uh all of that takes all of the introspection um is what makes it so easy to empathize with somebody if you can't empathize with somebody is because you, you're not able to like reach deep enough into yourself and be like, if I was in that person's shoes, I probably feel like this or, you know, and it, 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 it's, it goes both ways. Right. Um, you, it's really just about being able to, uh, everybody doing the work and it's hard in this community because we're all in a position where that's kind of like, not the priority right and then we go back to like money <laughs> we're preoccupied with money and like 
getting a better job and you know and all that kind of stuff so then we end up like not focusing on all of these other things that make up life and like our human existence we're not we there's less focus on like our social relationships there's less focus on like the things like uh you know reflecting on like what makes us really happy what are our values what do I really want in life you know um and so then that's what happens when we start like projecting all of this hurt and all this guilt and all this shame onto each other and then we're all just saying the same messages to each other that's being fed to us from society and then we just don't go we we don't get anywhere and the conversation doesn't go anywhere right um so as far as like with mental health professionals i think that uh you know very equipped um that my issue really is just that there's not really a chance to personalize it when you're uh, going to a larger audience and then if we're not focusing like specifically on the black experience and you're kind of far removed because you you're so in you're so inside of this niche that uh you have blinders up for all of these other things that are happening um that are happening in in black people's lives and like how that affects it because it's not just I don't want to go to therapy because uh I don't want to tell other people my business or you know it's also like can I afford it is it covered under my insurance uh what does do I have time for it (laughs) given if I have a job if I'm going to school and I have a job if I have kids like how how are we supporting like the daily experience of black people in a way that is like curating this uh this these professional resources and tools in a way that is understanding of all of the obstacles that we're facing which make it so much harder to like prioritize therapy over anything else or to um see the value in something that uh isn't isn't as high of a priority as all of these other responsibilities that we have in order to just survive um, so I definitely, I remember when I first started having a mental health page, I commented under somebody's post about how, you know, like insurance and like the price of therapy kind of gets in the way. And, um, someone replied back to me, like a lot of insurances cover therapy and that kind of thing. And I think, um, there is a point that was missed where it was like, it's not just about the money part of going to therapy. It's not just about, uh, do I want to talk to this person and feel judged or anything like that? It's, there's, again, there's so many layers. And, um, when you're in a constant state of trauma, you are mentally exhausted (laughs) all the time. So you don't really, if, if something isn't able to provide like that value, like right away, it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem reasonable at the time just because your your mind is just so overwhelmed all the time and I think like especially during this pandemic and being black and like seeing all of these things all this violence uh not only on the news but on social media which a lot of people use to like mindlessly scroll like now I can't even do that (laughs) um 
so it, there's so there's so many layers and I want I want therapists and, and other professionals in the field to like address those and not just like the mental health diagnosis and like not just black people don't want to go to therapy and you know because that's not really what it is it's there's so many layers and it's so much deeper than that uh, and that's you get to those that point and you start unpacking all those layers when you start to get closer to the daily experiences of what people are going through and you know you start to become aware that you're kind of far removed from from that uh you don't necessarily have to go to like the hood or anything but like just uh observing like what the trends are what's going on and not having kind of like this superficial view of like uh people just don't want to go to therapy or people don't see value in going to therapy or people don't know about therapy it's like at this point I know about therapy I just there's there might just be other priorities that's preventing me um and so (laughs) that's what I want more of in the mental health niche is that I want more connection to the daily experience like it's always going to go back to that (laughs) yeah and I think um I was just thinking about this idea of like more black therapists kind of coming to light and like you said these resources have started to be curated like over the past couple of years as this topic of like black mental health has become more prevalent and Mm -hmm. then you know like like we've been talking about I'm thinking about like you said that idea of okay it's not just about people don't want to go but it's about money and it's not just about the price of it it's about you know, do people have the time and space and work and like, it all goes back to money. So it just kind of, again, goes back to that, like, it being a very complex and nuanced issue that kind of does come down to like a lot of the context that we have to live within and how that impacts our mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess to wrap up, were there any other topics that you that we didn't cover that you would like to mention? If there's anybody watching this, like asking, I would really want to, I would really want people to start just curating their social media feeds and just like um trying to become more self-aware and to confront all of these things and like it takes work and it's not just the all of this is not simply on an individual level too is what I would like to emphasize because um I feel like the messaging of of individualism is very prevalent in mental health when we talk about like self-care and we talk about like you should go meditate and you should go journal and stuff but I really would like to validate that um it's very reasonable (laughs) if you're if you're in a space where all of these things just don't seem like a value or a priority because at the end of the day these tools like meditating and journaling and um they're just tools right a lot of it happens like inside of you like inside of your head uh, during the times where you find yourself thinking to yourself about your life and that kind of thing and really trying to steer your thoughts to uh pivot the angles that you're looking at certain issues right because uh it takes a lot to kind of break out of that individualistic mindset um and and just start to realize like how layered your life really is and how it's okay to validate yourself. And and it's not just like, I'm going to take a nap and it's okay that I'm lazy. It's more so like, I'm not actually lazy. Like my body is just telling me that I'm actually tired. Uh, and 
really starting to intuitively listen to us ourselves and like our body signals and things like that um as far as the tools and resources uh, i think that they're they're good tools and resources and you should give them a try but also don't feel like this mental health conversation is like completely reliant on on us being able to discern between depression and anxiety. <laughs> I feel like that's a really common uh, thing that's happening in these mental health spaces where it's like, this is what depression is. And like, this is how you know if you have it and stuff. And life and like human existence is really nuanced and it's very dependent on like the environment you're in and like the context, like you said, um, and just... I want people to be more aware of that and not just feel like all of this weight of having to take on the world and having to figure out their mental health and and having to figure out their kids' mental health or their friends' mental health or their parents' mental health. It's like all of that's not really reliant on you. Once again, like a lot of this uh, would be better supported if we or as as we become uh, come into community with each other, because we are, <laughs> we are in a community with each other. Uh, it just takes, it's just taking more work and just um, doing our part, but also understanding that everybody has a part, right? It's not just you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And then finally, um, how can listeners stay connected with you and the work that you're doing? Uh, they can follow my mental health page at Black. Black Psych, B-L-B-K-P-S-Y-C-H. Um, that's basically all. I, I've just been focusing on Instagram. I want to get back on Twitter. <laughs> um, I want to, I'm not sure if I specifically will have a Black Psych um, YouTube page, but I do want to get on YouTube and touch on uh, social commentary and, and that kind of thing. Um, but definitely stay tuned on Black Psych. I am doing so much more research and reading than I was maybe even two months ago. (laughs) So that's why my posts are taking more time. I'm also, as I'm doing the anti-work and and, uh, capitalism and that kind of series, I'm starting to realize like, or trying to validate that it's okay for me to take space away from that page so that I can bring valuable content and not just uh, give you guys, I, I like I'm not a content machine, you know, and trying to validate myself as, as not being one and like, it's just one person, it's not a team. I might say we, us, our, but I just mean like us in community with each other. I'm, I'm the one that's like behind the computer, it's nobody else back here. <laughs> um, so definitely stay tuned. I have a lot of good posts coming up. Um, I have a post coming up soon on laziness and challenging the idea that we have about laziness and how we probably all aren't actually lazy. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just stay tuned. (laughs) That's it for this episode. If you'd like to keep learning about how Better to Speak will be transforming silence into action for Black mental wellness during May, check out the links in the show notes. You can also find links to stay connected with Jada and Black Psych, as well as links to the resources that she mentioned. Again, be sure to rate and review Better to Speak the podcast on whatever listening platform you're using right now, and donate if you feel moved to to support and sustain the show. Once again, I'm your host, Casey Belton. Thank you for listening.